Ireland for boost number one. A kickstart for Australia. Gold and a world record. Now it's Donovan Bailey trying to pick up runners. Donovan Bailey is putting on a third. He's got it! 984, a world record for Donovan Bailey and a gold medal! A perfect score. 10.0 for Dante Cavanese. A perfect score. The first time I've never seen this one. Hello and welcome again to Off the Podium, an Olympics podcast as we continue our series of interviews with past and present Olympians from around the world. Well, really from just Canada and Australia. We'll see how the other ones from the world go. But uh, time to chat to another Australian Olympian today, another Australian Olympic gold medalist, and another Australian Olympic gold medalist from Rio. I do, of course, speak of Tom Burton, who won gold in the laser class in uh, in Rio in, in a really unique and uh, an amazing way. Went into the final day of uh, racing uh, really behind the eight ball. Looked like he could potentially win bronze medal and had to go out of his way really to uh, make sure that he could win the gold in, in a real strategic effort eventually to win it. It was one of the more famous gold medals of the Games for Australia and uh, basically had to go into the event against his uh, Croatian uh, rival to uh, force him into a mistake in order to then go on to win the gold. Now, uh, Tonchi Stepanovic uh, had the clear lead, but uh, that mistake happened, and uh, Tom forced him into that mistake. Then he had to finish in the top three to get a gold, and he did exactly that. And uh, it was well documented in the media here just about how amazing it was, and obviously Tom very pumped. Now, Tom narrowly missed out on a 2012 Olympic spot in the laser category, a spot that went on to Tom Slingsby, who went on to win the gold in London. So this, of course means that Australia has won the last two laser categories at the Olympics. So a uh, lot to chat about Tom uh, in this interview and it's obviously going to be very insightful for you to listen to. So uh, let's now cross over to myself in some way and listen to my interview with Olympic gold medalist Tom Burton. <laughs> Tom, uh, welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks a lot. It's a pleasure to have you here, mate. As, as I just mentioned, six months now since Rio. I mean, that must seem seem crazy to think that after all the preparation, no doubt, leading into it and working up to that moment, that it's it's been half a year since uh, since you were even there. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, six months. Uh, I didn't even know it had been that long, actually. <laughs> so, yeah, 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 it's scary to think that it's been that long. I remember... Uh, you know, two weeks before the Games, actually thinking, you know, in two weeks, you know, this is all going to be over. Um, and everything, you know, I've been training years and years for is just going to be, you know, no matter what the result is, it's just going to be, you know, finished. And, you know, you will either be really happy or uh, very disappointed. So, yeah, it's, uh, yeah, funny that six months has passed. Have, have things managed to, to calm down, I guess, since since Rio? Have it just been on a whirlwind of, uh, of emotions with all the parades and all the events, no doubt, that you've attended? Or has it just kind of gotten back to normal now and you're just focusing on the next thing at the moment? Uh, a little bit of both. I guess, you know, I was attending a few things uh, before Christmas, but obviously over Christmas uh, everyone has their things that they uh, they do and then it gets busy for them. So, um it, it's 
calm down over there. But uh, actually, you know, sailed today. Um, you know, first day kind of back in the boat uh, since, you know, a few weeks. And then um, I'm on my way at the moment to uh, attend a function where I'm speaking. So, you know, some days are definitely easier than others. But, uh, yeah, it's definitely, you know, calmed down from those few weeks after the Olympics for sure. And, and what's the feeling like then getting back in that boat, um, sort of just being one out there with the water and sort of just, I guess, as I said, moving on to the next thing? Is it just back, back in your element, back in your zone? I, I guess being out there in the water is is where you prefer to be. I mean, that's obviously why you do sailing. I mean, it, it must be good to be able to go back out there in the water and just get back into it. Yeah, definitely. I think it's, you know... I haven't done that much laser sailing, which is, you know, the boat that I won uh, gold in, but I have done a lot of uh, other sailing since, you know, being being home. So that's kind of, you know, a goal of mine, um, you know, in this next year, and I've kind of been hitting it pretty hard recently, of, you know, experiencing other boats and, you know, you know sailing something that I really love and enjoy. Um, but sometimes, you know, the amount of hours that I've spent in the, the one boat preparing for the Olympics, sometimes just like anyone, just like anyone's job, uh, you know, it can sometimes get a little uh, stale. So, you know, uh, yeah, changing boats, but uh, it's, it's good to get back in the laser now after having you know, a decent amount of time off um, and start to, you know, slowly chip away. Now, I believe you, you took up sailing when you were, were quite young after after following your dad to, to sailing regattas. I mean, was this always a sort of a passion of your dad and your family? I mean, how, how did sailing, I guess, come into the mindset of, of Tom Burton? Yeah, I think I've, you know, I've got, you know stories i can't really remember that um you know we we couldn't uh i think my mum you know she, could, she couldn't give birth to me you know because he was at a sailing regatta and you know all the timing of that needed to you know try and line up with uh him sailing at, at you know at the regatta that he was at so all those things and i've got photos of me you know that i can't remember you know sitting on a boat where i must have been you know one year old or or however old i was um so yeah you know always being around the water definitely helps you know to get into it and you know you know, become passionate about it. And I believe that the Olympics passion came from a, a school excursion to the Olympics back in 2000 when you were about 10 years old. I mean, was that moment seeing the sailing and obviously the success that Australia had during those games, of course, in the in the sport, did that really then spur that passion for you to ultimately achieve going to the Olympics one day? Oh, it's always hard. You know, it's a, it's a huge goal to, to say. So, you know, some people, and uh, myself included, you know, it's pretty daunting to say that you want to, you know, go to the Olympics because when you're really young, it's, you know, it's so far away, the the mountain's so high to climb, I guess. Um, but, yeah, you know, when I was in, in school, actually, I through the school excursion, I went to the Paralympics in, you know, uh, Homebush, Sydney Olympic Park, and, and watched uh, some of the sports there. But while the Olympics was on, you know, my dad was taking me, uh, and also my mum and, you know, as a family kind of day out, we'd go to Bradley's Head on the, on Sydney Harbour and, and watch the racing, you know, through binoculars and stuff. And as a 10-year-old, I was kind of just running around on the grass and, and all that sort of stuff. So, um, and kind of, you know, just getting the results, you know, it, you know, it didn't really mean much to me at the time, but I definitely remember it. You, you mentioned, of course, before in terms of getting out there, trying some different boats and that, uh, obviously your, your, class that you did win the gold in of course is laser what what is it like choosing the different categories out there in the sport because ultimately there's a a large amount of uh, different categories different boats that you can compete in and what is it about then laser that i guess really tickled your fancy to to really pursue that the way that you ultimately would Uh, i guess just like any sport as well like in in sailing we have we do have a few different classes and uh a lot of those is you know they cover a, a range of uh, weights and, you know, different sizes. So, 
some boats, you know, you really you're going to have to lose a lot of weight, or some boats you actually, you know, you're not going to either be big enough or small enough for. So you kind of need to, you know, pick the boat that you want to sail and adapt your body slightly, um, and also, you know, pick the one that you're actually going to be able to sail. Uh, but also, you know, something unique about the laser is it's, it's one design class. So a few of the other classes are they've got things that you can change. So you know, the the more money you have, the more you know stuff you can buy. Uh, you know, go through equipment and get the best stuff. You get a little bit of an edge, but with a laser, it's just it's one design. So everyone, you know, the boats are supplied to you at the Olympics, so everyone has exactly the same. And uh, you know, you can't bring your own. You can't t- tinker with it and make it special. So you get it, you know, two weeks before the event, and and uh, and you have to compete with that. And d- does that make it? Difficult, or does that, I guess, in a way, given that everyone gets the same one, it, it makes it more even. But I guess, in a way, you want to get to know that boat. And if you've only got two weeks to sort of customize yourself to it, I mean, is there sort of uh, a way of, about doing that? Can you get a boat that you think to yourself, well, crap, this is going to not, not suit my style or suit how I'm going to, you know, try and attempt to compete in these races? Yeah, definitely. We have. Uh, kind of two major manufacturers. We have one in Australia, uh, so a lot of the time we're using Australian-built boats um, when we're, you know, you know, for the four years before, actually, and uh, and whenever we're in Australia. But for the Olympics, they actually get supplied by uh, the dealer in the UK. So, um, and even though you know they're pretty much identical anyway, just because the where they're manufactured in the the climates and everything. They, you know, they sound a little different. The colours a little different. So all that sort of stuff um, can you know, impact on you know the way you you feel the boat and and kind of see it out of the corner of your eye. So for the last year, I was using uh, boats that were built from, built from the UK in preparation for. Uh, the Olympic Games. And what's that training regime like then in that preparation? So you, you, you're using obviously that style of boat you're mentioning. Is it a case of just getting out there on the water as much as you can and I guess uh, replicating race conditions and also outside of being on the water then the gym? I'm guessing it's a very upper body style of training that you've got to get used to with all the, the things that you've got to do out there on the boat on the water? Yeah, so yeah, we, we spent in the last year, you know, you try and spend as much time as you can at the actual venue where you're going to be racing. Um, just to get used to, you know, exactly the water that you're going to be sailing on and, you know, everything to do with that. Um, with the, and also, you know, the, the, all the big regattas, you try and simulate like it's the Olympic Games. So, you know, the, you know, you try and put as much pressure as you, you would on yourself and, and try and, you know, really perform right here and now. Um, so then, you know, you get a few chances at, at replicating that. Uh, with the gym stuff, predominantly, you know, we, we hold ourselves outside the boats by our legs. So... You know, we're kind of in a static hold, I guess. You know, if people went to the, the local gym and, and got on the leg extension machine where you, you know, just make your legs go straight, pretty much go reasonably heavy and uh, and put the, your legs as straight as you can. That's pretty much, you know, the muscle group that we're using uh, to hold ourselves out of the boat. So we do, you know, a lot of that sort of stuff in the gym. And then also, you know, for the cardio side, we do a lot of, like, road cycling. Um, wow. Which is a good one that do... Uh, with it must be, must be interesting heading to the gym and I guess training with other athletes and you know you've got people training for various different events and somebody comes up to you and says oh what are you training for oh sailing I mean it's I guess kind of it's not really a sport you often think of maybe people working that hard out at, at, at a gym but obviously as you mentioned there's there's plenty of work to do I mean I, I couldn't even imagine me getting out there on a boat Tom I'd probably sink as soon as I get out there yeah, well, it is. Yeah, you know, it is one of those sports as well that it's not just physical. It's very, you know, mental. The decisions that you make impact it. Yeah, 
more than uh, your fitness, nearly. So, you know, in light winds, fitness doesn't really bring into the, you know, into the equation at all. So, you know, there's so much more than just fitness. Like, for sure, the fittest guy out there is not necessarily going to win the race, um, you know, nearly every time. So, it's, yeah, it's a little tricky. Um, yeah, so we, we often, with our, you know, with our own team, we kind of have a little in-joke that, you know, it's a little law of looks. So the better you look, actually the worse you sail because you spend too much time in front of the, doing the doing the weights that are getting you ready for the beach instead of actually sailing. <laughs> right, okay. So the, people are focusing too much on uh, sort of the, the, the different type of sailing rather than the competitive one, just, you know, looking good out there in, in some really fancy boat rather than going for the gold medal, I guess. <laughs> Exactly. So I also read in another interview that, I mean, given sailing, of course, uh, you know, a lot, a lot of equipment needed and, and a lot of uh, money, I guess, along the way to, to fund across the board. I mean, you would do things in order to, to save money to make sure that you could continue doing it by doing little things like avoiding tolls on the way to, to training and that. I mean, I guess through those difficult times and really uh, making sure that you're out there and continuing your passion, is it that passion that keeps driving you, you know, that ultimate goal of an Olympic gold medal or a world champion? Championship through those tough days that you can think I'm going to do this, I'm going to achieve this one day. Well, you know, you hope so. Like that's you know, you, you set a goal, and and you know, if the goal is very big, you know, it, it seems too far away sometimes. So you need to set smaller ones along the way to kind of keep you motivated. Otherwise, you know, you can easily get distracted and, and think that it's you know too far out of reach. Um, but yeah, you know, when I first started, uh, I was just getting funded by my parents, pretty much paying for everything. And, you know, to get to sailing, it was, you know, three three beeps on my e-tag on the tolls. And, you know, it was kind of 10 ways. So $20 a day um, going to sailing, you know, it, it definitely adds up. And, you know, the amount that I've probably paid in tolls uh, through my career would be, you know, definitely a lot. Um, and, you know, you need to, you know, you need to keep thinking to yourself why you're doing this and, and yeah, for sure you need to be very passionate about it. Uh, you were very close, of course, to making the Olympics in 2012, lost out on that spot to eventual gold medalist in London, Tom Slingsby. How, I mean, how disappointed is that to get so close, to get overlooked, um, and I guess then watch Tom go on to win that gold? I guess there would be a mixture of emotions, obviously happy for your teammate that he's gone on to win that gold, but thinking what could have been at that point, I guess. Yeah, it's a little strange. I think, you know, the, obviously the Olympics was in 2012, but the selection for the Olympics is actually in 2011. And in 2011, I wasn't, you know, I wasn't anywhere near the level that he was at. Um, you know, a range of things changed in 2012, which really, you know, changed, the, the, you know, the my results. You know, I, I really started performing really well in 2012, and it could be a range of things that, you know, there was no pressure on me anymore to be you know potentially going to the olympic games because the selection was done we knew who was going to go Every, you know the whole team um of laser sailors kind of banded together more as a family to kind of help him prepare to go to win um and then in that we all got to train closer together because there was no in rivalry now we're all kind of you know helping each other to for the one goal um obviously only one person can go but um in my mentality i just want to you know improve my sailing skills and ability and, you know, it didn't really matter, you know, the Olympic Games or not, um, I needed to get better. Um, and then that, that helped me. For instance. So in 2012, I was performing really well. So, that, so it looked, uh, for sure, it looked a lot closer uh, results-wise between myself and, and Tom Slingsby, who eventually won gold. But, you know, the actual selection wasn't really close. But uh, definitely, you know, 
it, it definitely helps me to you know pick up my game and, and start to get better results. And, and with that, you did get the better results, as you mentioning there, right up through, of course, uh, to Rio. What what was that moment like then when you ultimately get the the, the nod and say, "Yep, you're going to the Olympics. You're going to Rio. You're you're representing Australia in the laser." Yeah, it was a weird feeling, actually. You know, um, you know, a very similar situation happened with myself and a, and another Australian uh, for the selection, but maybe a year, you know, a, a year closer. As in, you know, the the, the selection was actually quite close um, in the actual selection year, so it, it dragged on a little bit the selection process. But um, you know, it was uh, we were actually in Rio. Both of us were in Rio preparing and training. And uh, they they rang us, you know, with a time zone difference and everything, and uh, and talked to us both then. So it was a you know a little weird feeling. Obviously, one very excited and one you know very disappointed. Um, but you know we 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 kept working together throughout the whole the whole time, you know, because we knew, you know, we we both had the mentality that we you know we don't want to just go to the Olympic Games, even though it, you know it's a great achievement just to go. But we were both, you know, whoever was going to go was going to have a pretty damn hot go at, uh, at bringing home the gold medal. And we, with being in Rio in that preparation with the amount of time that you did spend, uh, of course, in the lead-up to the Olympics, obviously to, to acclimatise yourself to the conditions. I mean, what were the conditions like in Rio compared to, to other places that you had sailed at? Were, were they unique? And, and did that sort of time you spent there help you ultimately when it came to the Games? Yeah, the biggest the biggest difference that we had, uh, you know, the, the wave pattern, you know, some of the, some of the things that you need to really practice with, um, spending a lot of time there. So, but it wasn't too dissimilar to like stay off Sydney Head. So that was uh, something quite good, but something that we don't really experience very much in Australia that they have uh, a lot of and make made a huge difference was um, they had a lot of tide. So within uh, their bay there, uh, you have tide going bunch of different ways so if you can think you know the water um, is traveling you know in all different directions so you could have on one side of the course the water going one way and on the other side of the course the water going the complete opposite way so if you didn't really know that um, and you couldn't take advantage of that there'd be pretty much no chance that you're going to win wow wow and i mean the, the laser program itself uh you know we enjoyed covering the sailing uh on our on our show throughout the olympics because we're fascinated by the amount of races that you guys are doing and just how complex it all is i mean 10 different races leading into a medal race uh and then ultimately the medal race and all the the things that you've got to do in order to try and win a gold i mean how how do you mentally prepare yourself for that because i, I each day is different you're going to have a good race you're going to have a bad race and then it ultimately all comes down to one race i mean like as you're going back to saying before it's not all physical it's mental i mean is there preparations that you can do to i guess mentally prepare yourself for such a high class event at the at the peak of the sport throughout that period leading into the the final day when you're going for those medals well i think the the, the main thing and something that i uh, focus a lot on is um you know consistency i think you know if you look at my results i never won a race but you know my worst race was the best worst race of everyone and, uh, and obviously my points were lower overall. But, uh, you know, w- one other big thing is that, uh, you know, every, every regatta you can, you know, simulate and pretend, uh, that, you know, this is the Olympic Games and practice that and putting the pressure on you, you know, pressure on yourself, uh, for that event. And, uh, and you, you really, you know, you, you don't want to have to go to the Olympics and perform out of your skin to win. So one, you know, one major thing that I was, you know, always thinking about was, you know, you need to get your skills so high that even if you sailed at 90% of capacity of what you think you can do, you know, that, you know, you hope that that, that is good enough to win as well. So, 
yeah, that's kind of what you're spending all the hours training for. And and the medal race comes about. I mean, it was it was an amazing uh, result for you, obviously, to ultimately come from where you did to to win the gold. Uh, you know, your Croatian rival Tonči Stepanović, uh, the the elements that involved there with the strategy, basically him having to get a penalty, then you having to get into the top three. I mean, how going into that day, knowing everything that you had to do, I mean, it seemed to work out perfectly for you in the end. But did did you go into that thinking this is going to work? I'm going to do this. Or is it all or nothing? I'm just going for the gold, and we'll see what happens. Oh no! You know, I, I kind of thought in my own head that you know I had probably had more chance of you know getting the bronze medal than the gold medal because you know uh, Tonchi was only gonna could ever get gold or silver, so he was gonna you know try and make me get a worse result. So you know he would definitely win gold. Um, and then you had the New Zealander that could sail his own race and uh, and you know go off and do his own thing. So. It was a yeah definitely a tricky situation, um, but with all the you know tactics and strategy behind it, it's you know it's so variable and anything can change really quickly out there. So you just got to kind of you can't have a you know a plan in cement. It's just got to you know you got to be on your feet, changing all the time, very relaxed mentally because you can't take anything too seriously. It's just got to you know be ready to adapt and and take anything that comes. So that was kind of my mentality, and you know when you get a chance, you really got to you know. Um, capitalise on it and uh, and you know I got my chance and and uh, you know capitalise on it you know the best I could it's really a fascinating element of the sport because I mean a lot of sports out there I guess it's frowned upon to try and force your opponent into a, into a penalty or make them get penalized but I mean is this generally accepted uh, in in all forms of sailing is it this is just a laser thing that you can basically go out of your way to make sure that they get a penalty to help your cause ultimately on winning the race sailing thing in general um you know obviously uh, there's there's so many uh things in sailing we you know the two major things would be strategy and tactics and strategy you you kind of you know the basic way to say it is you know time trial around the course by yourself so if you were just out there by yourself which way would you go with the wind you know which which side of the course do you think the wind is the best and how are you going to get around the course the fastest and tactics is what what are you going to do compared to every other boat out there um, so, you know, obviously everyone's trying to do the exact same thing and come first. So how are you going to, you know, beat everyone else? And sometimes that's slowing other people down so you can beat them. Mm. Um, and, you know, in the, in the exact situation, you know, he was trying to use the tactic to get a penalty on me to make me come last so he could win the gold medal. So, you know, I need, I was using the exact same strategy, but, it, uh, you know, it, it went my way. And, and when, I guess, it, you realise it's gone all your way and you, you're getting closer and closer and you realise you're going to win a gold, I mean, are, are you working that out in your head? Did you know at a certain point, I've done everything I can do, this is gold for me? Or did it take until crossing the line to realise, oh, hang on a minute, I've won the gold? Uh, I, I knew the point, obviously, but, uh, yeah, I, I never looked back to see where he was. So I know he's very fast, you know, very capable sailor, so... You know, I could have easily turned around and saw that he had passed three votes and then, you know, I'm going to win a silver medal and that would have been fine as well. But uh, so I never actually looked back to see where he was. Um, and I knew at the top mark the last time where the position I was in and the position he was in, uh, I, I still knew he was, you know, at the back then. Um, that I was in silver at the, at the moment and I, uh, I needed to pass one more boat to, to get the gold. And on the, on the last downwind I did, but I wasn't sure if he was still at the back. So it really wasn't till the, uh, till the last you know, moment when I crossed the line and I looked back to see him in last that it kind of, you know, and it did sink in quite slowly as well. Um, 
I kind of realised. Is it something that you've been able to, I guess, soak in now and realise that moment? I mean, is it something that you watch the footage of it a couple of times and go, wow, there we go, there's a gold medal, and just really, as you said, let it sink in eventually to go, this is this is it, I'm an Olympic champion? Yeah, I nearly can't watch the footage without laughing because, <laughs> you know, something like that could never happen again. Like, you know, after a few people have watched that and see what can actually happen, like, the odds were quite quite low um yeah and you know i think people will be a lot more scared about the situation and kind of you know protect their position a little, little harder now knowing that you know those, those things are possible and it can happen um even though you know it looks very unlikely so yeah it's it's quite funny and then another thing when i was watching it you know i didn't really realize that half the race i was actually in bronze medal position until i started passing some so um yeah you know it's yeah it's, the, the whole the whole race, the way it unfolded, you know, it couldn't have come out much better for me. And, and did Tom Slingsby end up saying anything to you? I mean, you basically defended Australia's, uh, you know, hold on the on the event for another four years. You know, back to back gold for Australia in the in the category. I mean, he must have, I guess, been chuffed that you ultimately kept that streak going for us. Yeah, well, I spoke, you know, I spoke to him, um, you know, a few days before the the medal race, and and he I asked him a few questions just on the the kind of match racing side of it, and what he thought and he get to get his take on it and you know he gave me some you know his, his thoughts obviously and uh some advice on that and i kind of th- told him what i was thinking and he gave me his opinion on you know uh you know my strategy that i was i was thinking in my own head so that was great and then i was i was sitting in drug control actually after and uh and yeah he, he, i had a mess i missed a uh, message from him and i just replied to it saying that how'd you like that and uh yeah he great day and you know, congratulated me, and you know, he, he couldn't have been happier as well. So, have you uh, managed to take the medal off, though, Tom? I mean, what what do you do with it afterwards? I mean, I could imagine you just you, you get it, and you just never want to let it go for a while after that. Uh, yeah, yeah not so much. It, it lives in the top of my cupboard at the moment, <laughs> um, but it's, it's still getting a fair bit of use. You know, taking around to the different things that I'm attending. So, uh, yeah, you know, after a, if I haven't attended anything for three weeks or so, I kind of forget that it's up there. Um, to be honest. <laughs> Wow! But then uh, I've got I've got one of the photos that uh, that I got from the Australian Olympic Committee up on my wall, um, you know, which is some of the best photos of the after the medal race and stuff. That um, is the you know only 250 got made as a limited edition uh, photos there. So you know those are some of the you know, greatest photos, and you know that'll definitely stay with me for the rest of my life. So, so it's not something you've tried to get free stuff out of, you know, just like try to walk into a store and go, hey, gold medal, give me stuff or something along those lines. Now, people tell me to try and do that, but I can't, you know, I can't really bring myself to do it. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, I, I, yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure what, you know, if, if you if you use that, uh, what it can actually get you. Well, but, uh, you never know. Yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to think really what ultimately it could. I mean, uh, it obviously didn't work to try and get some people into the boomers game, but I guess they weren't all gold medalists. So, I mean, that could have been a bit different. But, um, you know, there, there's something you could put on your bucket list just to see, you know, what what can I get with an Olympic gold medal around my neck? Yeah, I think, you know, I think the more the time goes on, those sort of uh, little sneaky tricks that'll definitely come out. <laughs> exactly. So what, what's the plan now then, I guess, moving forward? I mean, obviously mentioning getting sort of slowly back into to some sailing. I mean, do you, do you have ambitions to perhaps go on towards Tokyo to defend your title or are there other forms of, of sailing, other regattas that you, you want to focus on, I guess, moving forward? Yeah, at the moment, uh, I've, I'm looking forward to Tokyo as well. Um, but obviously that's four years away. So, you know, the goal is... Uh, four years away so 
you know, that's quite a long time. So along the road, I set some some smaller goals. So this year, uh, sailing a few different other boats, and also I've got a world titles in one of those other boats, um, which is the the foiling moth, which is quite different than the boat that I'm, you know, went to the Olympics in. It's, it's uh, definitely more high performance and very technical. Um, and also, I've been doing a, a little bit of yacht stuff recently, which is you know more of a team and and not just by yourself. So. You know, those are the kind of aspects of uh, sailing that, you know, I miss out on a little bit just sailing the laser because uh, it is quite basic and it's, you know, by yourself, uh, you, you miss out on, you know, the, the team atmosphere. So, um, you know, those are, you know, big things in this next four years that I, I want to improve on. Well, being in Hobart, I, of course, have to ask, is the goal one day to perhaps maybe compete in, in the Sydney to Hobart and, and put that on your resume? I was very close to doing it this year, actually. Right. But uh, just out of time and, and uh, yeah, just missed out on it. But uh, I'm sure, you know, in the next few years I'll uh, I'll be doing it. But, uh, yeah, it, the last four years it was never on my radar, but um, I'm open to a lot of different things now. Um, now that kind of one of the goals has ticked off, I can I can set some new ones. Well, I can guarantee you if you manage to sneak the gold medal on board and bring it down to Hobart, you'll definitely open some doors down here because we're impressed by Olympic gold medals, Tom. So uh, it will, it'll work for you down here. So there you go. Yeah, cheers. I'll, I'll try and sneak it in. Well, we appreciate your time, mate, here on the show. Best of luck with everything. We'll be obviously uh, keeping an eye on everything, how it goes between now and, and Tokyo and everything else that happens in your career. And, uh, yeah, we wish you the best of luck and thank you for joining us on the program today. Cheers. No worries. Another great chat there, Tom Burton, Olympic gold medalist. And uh, we wish him all the best. Hope to see him again in Tokyo to... Make it three in a row for Australia in the laser category. If you're enjoying these interviews, and I, and I know you are, uh, you can, of course, uh, subscribe to us on iTunes to get more interviews direct to your podcasting device, whatever that may be. And, of course, like us on Facebook to stay up to date with what's going on. Perhaps you've got a, an interview suggestion. Maybe there's somebody you'd like us to track down. You've got a question, perhaps, for one of our uh, Olympic guests on the program or just want to send us some feedback. You can, of course, do that on iTunes by rating us and liking us and uh, leaving some words of encouragement or discouragement, whatever really floats your boat. Uh, that's it for this uh, interview today. Thank you very much again for Tom for joining us, and we thank you for listening to us here on Off the Podium, and we will speak to you next time wherever you are listening to us from. Thank you.